Nurse Deck, we give nurses a place to belong. Whether that's a platform to be heard or the breathing room to be accepted right where we are today, Nurse Deck is proud to be built by our collective nurse voice. Our Insider's Perspective interview series showcases the true diversity in nursing experience through individual storytelling. We will hear from professionals from all walks of nursing life, in academia, at the bedside, in the C-suites of administration, and at the forefront of nurse-led innovation. Nurses are strong, but we need each other more than ever. Our stories connect and unite us, and we're thrilled to bring you a new one each week. I'm Brianna Kinney-Orr, and this is Insider's Perspective of Nursing, the podcast. Hi, everybody. Brianna with Nurse Deck here on with another installment of our Insider Perspective series. Um, Here at Nurse Deck, we are built by nurses for nurses. We aim to provide a collaborative social space for nurses across all levels in order to share resources and guides, camaraderie, humor, work life, sanity savers, (laughs) anything to get us through our shifts and when we're off the clock. Um, today, we are joined by Meedy Bardanel. Meedy is the Surgical Oncology Nursing Director for a large acute care facility. She is also currently the, she serves as the chair for the DC Board of Nursing, which we, we will definitely discuss. She is a passionate clinical advocate and is someone who strong servant leadership shines through across her many roles in the nursing community. So welcome, Meedy. We're so glad you could join us today. Hi, Brianna. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Thank you uh, so very much for this opportunity to share on your platform. Absolutely. So we always like to start at the beginning. Where did you get your start in nursing? How did you, how did you get into it? So excellent question, Brianna. And what I will share is very early, I lost my mother, unfortunately, at the tender age of four. And when my mother uh, was in the hospital uh, from cancer, um, I remember wanting to be like those uh, folks that were helping her, taking care of my father. Um, was a, a young father of two young children. I was four. My brother was eight at the time and just kind of navigating those waters. And I just literally remember always wanting to be, um, her name was actually Nancy. Um, I will never forget her. I uh, forgot her last name, but I always oh. remembered I wanted to be like Nancy who just went above and beyond the call yeah. of duty making sure my my dad understood what was going on, uh, what how my mother was feeling that day. And I literally wanted to emulate that and really make a positive yeah. impact. So when I was um, early in high school, I was a candy striper. And so I truly yeah. uh, knew something and had the passion for wanting to be the nurse uh, that I wanted to be literally since the time I was four years old. So I'm grateful yeah. that 44 plus 40 years, yeah. <laughs> I have been able to see it come to fruition. So that is where my passion literally stemmed from seeing people yeah. make a true impact in the lives of others. Yeah, that's incredible that you remember her name too, yeah. for being a four-year-old with so much else going on. I mean, 
that's just well, really sad. My mother passed away, I remember. And, you know, as nurses, and particularly now as an adult, you always should make sure you kind of have that that barrier, if you will. Um, but I remember Nancy and her family, for whatever reason, she really connected with my father um, mm -hmm. as he was going through this process. And so her and her husband befriended my father. And I remember being invited to a few of her kids' birthday parties. Um, okay. And to our birthday parties as we got older. So um, yeah. I lost contact, but I will just never forget how important that was. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. What an incredible story. Um, you, you mentioned you're very passionate about your role. Um, what keeps you motivated in nursing right now? I mean, I, it's, we're going through such a stressful time um, as a community at large. What do you find motivates you? Uh, I know this is very cliche, but really it's just the opportunity to serve. Um, I, I've oftentimes reflected on why I do what I do, um, why I love the profession that I love so much. And I really believe, you know, the adage of uh, services to rent that we pay while we're here on earth. And yeah. so even in the middle of a crazy pandemic, um, I was late meeting with you this morning, uh, just ensuring that staffing was right, that my team had what they needed this morning. And yeah. that was what's most important for me is really making sure that people have what they need, um, even at their most vulnerable time. So honestly, even when I'm tired and stressed and burnt out, all of those things that all nurses and quite frankly, anyone in healthcare is feeling, for me, sure. it's knowing that I, I'm making a difference. And so right. that's what keeps me going. Yeah, absolutely. We need each other right now more than ever. So I'm sure your team is lucky to have you um, if you feel that that's strongly connected with them. Yes. Um, tell us about being one of the three chosen for the 15th Electoral College um, for DC back in the 2020 presidential election, which as we remember was a huge election. Absolutely. Um, yeah, um, it was it was very monumental for me in a couple of reasons. Uh, one, um, I'm grateful for our mayor, Muriel Bowser, for acknowledging, you know, the power of women um, right during the women's suffrage movement, which actually celebrated its anniversary in 2020 as well right. for 200, um, you know, for that time in 2020, rather. And additionally, to be a part and to be selected as a person to really represent uh, our nursing profession, she was very intentional as we actually ended up talking, like, how did you come to this decision? Um, there was another frontline worker. There was another person who my other colleague who actually um, also joined um, was an LGBTQ um, advocate as well. And so I'm really grateful to be acknowledged as a frontline. And I hate the word hero, to be very honest, because I think <laughs> nurses don't really, you know, we don't wear capes. And, and I appreciate the, um, the accolades that our profession has received, particularly the last two years, but it is yeah. very hard. And so sometimes yeah. we take that cape off. I digress. Yeah. But the point is that um, to be acknowledged uh, to represent the District of Columbia and the over 700 plus thousand residents mm -hmm. was very, um, for me, just so significant, regardless of your party lines, right? Regardless of your Republican, Democrat, independent, whatever, to be able uh, to be chosen as a nurse um, mm -hmm. and as a, a African-American woman. It was also very interesting as well, Brianna, because I had the opportunity uh, to vote the first uh, casting vote for the first African-American woman vice president. And obviously that was very significant for me. Yeah. In addition to uh, Kamala Harris also is a fellow alumni of our uh, illustrious uh, alma mater. Oh, wow. 
complexity. So it yeah. had really um, interesting ties that were intertwined that I do yeah. know that uh, Mayor Muriel Bowser did not necessarily think of, but for me to be a Howard grad, to vote for another Howard grad, in addition to yeah. be another black woman, being able to cast a vote for another black woman was absolutely tremendous. It was definitely an honor. I can imagine so, yeah. Well, let's talk about, and speaking of honors, <laughs> you have received a number of awards. Um, I just wanted to highlight a couple of them. Um, you're a member of the Washington DC alumni chapter of Del Delta Sigma Theta sorority. Um, you're recognized as mother of the year in 2019 and 2020 um, for exemplary service to the chapter in the community. Um, you've also been honored with the President's, I love this, Shiro Award <laughs> from Prince George's County Chapter um, as a 2021 Catalyst Awardee. I mean, that's amazing. Amazing. Tell us yeah. about more about this organization um, and its mission, its vision, um, and what, what it's meant to you to win those awards. Awesome, great question. Um, and I, I just wanna add a little bit of uh, understanding that I am humbled and, and grateful for the opportunity to serve. And I think um, there's been a lot of negative uh, energy around this pandemic, particularly with the nurses and healthcare and what we've been doing. And mm -hmm. I really just wanna say, I believe these acknowledgements have really just come because such a time as this, if not mm -hmm. you, who not now, when? Mm -hmm. um, and so for me, I've been doing the work. Um, it wasn't that something just started differently. And I'm mm -hmm. humbled and honored to be acknowledged for the work uh, that we've been doing um, for quite frankly, all of my professional career. Mm -hmm. uh, Delta Sigma Theta, which also was another, um, to tie it back to actually the Electoral College, um, my sorority was one of the only black um, organizations that actually marched during the women's suffrage movement. So wow. to be able to be a presidential elector when women were fighting for the rights to vote and mm -hmm. my sorority um, was founded based off of service and social action was also another very interesting thing. So, so Delta yeah. Sigma Theta is one of the largest um, African-American sororities based on sisterhood scholarship and service. Big mm -hmm. word for me again is service. And so mm -hmm. that's when I've been honored uh, to, to participate participate in. The other yeah. two awards, a mother of the year is from my organization that I'm a member of. I'm a chartering member of the nation's capital chapter of Jack and Jill, Jack and Jill of America. And Jack and Jill was formed back in 1938 by some amazing women in Philadelphia during the Great Depression, quite frankly, wanting to find ways, how do we still keep these uh, black and brown children engaged, keep them safe, have activities yeah. for them, and making sure that they still see some positive light in the world. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we basically are a group of mothers um, that seek to have uh, what I call, we do motherhood together. So mm -hmm. I, I something that I've, I've loved being a part of this uh, this journey. And so we are a group of uh, mothers that try, tried our best to create programming around service, around um, educational opportunities, around community service and leadership for our children. And so I've had the opportunity during this last year or so um, because of the pandemic, quite frankly, of really making sure that we understand how important community is, how important service is. And so some of those awards were given because I've used my own personal uh, platform, social media and otherwise to really talk about the importance of maintaining your health, Brianna. And as you could uh, acknowledge and appreciate as nurses for nurses, mm -hmm. is that um, I really hope that people continue to keep their health at the forefront, not just because of COVID-19, to really right. understand the impact of having um, 
um, all these comorbidities, the morbidity and mortality, specifically that underserved communities um, experience. And so because of that, I was acknowledged uh, for uh, my service. In addition, I was able to partner, and I have to say this, I'm so grateful for Dr. Gigi Albayumi, who is one of the leaders and the founding director of the Rodham Institute at the George Washington University Hospital Center. And Mm -hmm. we were able to, sorry, And we were, because of uh, Dr. Abayumi and the Rodham Institute, we were able to secure over 100,000 masks that I helped to uh, disperse throughout some of the uh, community organizations here in the District of Columbia and Mm -hmm. over five, 6,000 things of hand sanitizer to the community. Because of that, we would really also help do do our role to help uh, eradicate this, uh, the pandemic that we've been still living with. Yeah, amazing. I mean, I think we forget that about the beginning of the pandemic, as scary as it was for all the uncertainty that it brought in. There was also so many aspects and examples of people rising up to meet the challenge in whatever way they could make it work, which to me is such a nursing (laughs) quality. You know, we we figure it out, we make it work no matter what circumstances we're thrown into. Absolutely. It was nice to see our communities doing that for us, you know, like sewing masks and dropping them off and and how cool to be part of that. And I, I don't want to say I miss being in that part of, but that energy at the beginning of the, the pandemic where people kind of rose to the challenge. Um, it's great to hear about that. And, and to that, be was, that was a little silver lining, quite frankly, if you thought about it, Brianna, um, even though obviously, you know, over nearly 50 million lives impacted in the U.S. from contracting COVID, we're nearing, yeah. you know, over, I think we're already over half a million people who've lost their lives mm-hmm. to COVID. I'm always just an optimist. So what can we learn or what did we learn? And then it's really yeah. community and it's really service. And so to your yeah. point, nurses who have even this year for what 20 some years in a row now have been noted as the most trusted profession but we've never always received the accolades um and the recognition as well as our teacher counterparts right so now we have more appreciation for these people that are really doing the work that help our community thrive um and survive quite frankly so absolutely yeah yeah absolutely i couldn't agree more Tell us about, we're going to switch gears a little bit. Um, I know you've done a lot of work for patient care and patient-centered outcomes and improving quality, improving nurses' quality of their experiences on the job. Um, What do you think are the biggest drivers for quality patient care? Why, to understand why you do what you do, and then to also understand the impact of what you do on that person's life. Yeah. I know it's not some huge scientific algorithm, but I, I live it. I see it. You know, washing your hands, a simple thing, Brianna, as washing right. your hands. You know, <laughs> the world was into this huge thing. Wash your hands. Uh, the pandemic and people like right. you and I, well, you should have been washing your hands, right? <laughs> right. Why are we having to teach you <laughs> how long? Hand, hand sanitizers and the importance of hand hygiene. But yeah. what we understand is what I what I seek my best to instill in my newer nurses and the team that I lead is that what you do makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Literally, from mm-hmm. ensuring from quality outcomes, from making sure that you're doing your hourly rounding, to making yeah. sure that you do the four Ps. You know, pain, mm-hmm. position, body, possessions that we've learned. You know, back in nursing yeah. school, so that elderly patient doesn't have to reach 
to grab something and then they fall to make yeah. sure that you are indicating about this is your last pain score and this is how we're going to help to manage your pain and no you won't be at zero so we can also counteract this opioid crisis that we're dealing with okay. and letting people understand no you won't be at zero it is our goal right. is to make sure that your pain is manageable and right. so um, and then as it relates to just other quality measures um, at my organization i lead our committee for CLAPSIs, you know central line infections so nurses mm -hmm understanding the importance of hand hygiene, using right. that alcohol and breaded caps to make sure uh, that the ports of entry are clean, to not yeah. um, access it as much as possible, to make sure that you're reducing uh, any yeah. uh, entry level of, of uh, bacteria into that central line. So right. again, it really all comes down to understanding why. Why are right. you doing what you're doing? And then for me, it's putting a face. I've just met you today for the first time in person, but what if you were my sister? What if you mm -hmm. were my best friend? What if you were my neighbor, my mother, mm -hmm. somebody that I know and love and care for? I'm going to mm -hmm. want to do the best to make sure you have right. the best outcome. And so we can come up with all the algorithms. We can mm -hmm. come up with all the technology, but there's still a human at the end of that who has to trans yes. that knowledge to that patient. And so of all yeah. the professions that we have, of all the technology uh, that we have in healthcare, there is nothing, even with robotic surgeries, there's still right. a human who has to manipulate yeah. and manage the robot. And so yeah. we, we make that regardless of the technology, you are still dependent upon the person that is utilizing it to make sure he or she is doing the best to have the positive outcomes. So that's right. my viewpoint is understanding the why um, and making sure that you see that person as mm -hmm. not a disease process, not as a diagnosis, but as the mother, the sister, the brother, the father wants to get home and be healthy and well. Your community of real nurses is waiting for you. Join Nurse Social from Nurse Deck today to connect and network with nurses from all over. Ask questions and share advice. Only verified nurses and nursing students have access to member areas. So new nurses, veterans, mentors, and leaders are here to connect and support one another. Get rewards for participating in your community score social points as you engage with fellow nurses and redeem your credit to support a growing list of products and services created by other nurses. Follow topics that interest and affect you as a nurse. Your peers are creating topics and stocking them with an unlimited supply of advice and resources. And you can follow along to help build a better world for nurses everywhere. Head to social.nursestack.com to join in today. We'll see you there. Right, exactly. You may, This may be the 10th person going in that you've cared for going in for surgery, but you know what? This is the only time they're ever going to have their gallbladder out. <laughs> so Absolutely. For Absolutely. Them, it's a big deal. Um, and I love how you mentioned, you know, really driving home the point to new nurses, especially that, yeah, there might be a big problem that comes up down the line for a patient, like, you know, going into septic shock because of massive infection. But it starts with that point of entry to a central line where you didn't scrub it for a long exactly. enough amount of seconds, you know, exactly. and little tiny things can snowball into much, much bigger things. And nurses have the power to control that. 
Um, and Brianna, I, I would even uh, gesture to say it's important for everyone and any, particularly any healthcare realm or medical field, that every person has an important role. And I always, um, I, I also always engage our EBS workers who mm -hmm. sometimes in hospitals are the least valued yeah. and underrepresented as the important part of the team that they are. So I always say to them, um, I'm a CBICU nurse, cardiac ICU nurse by trade. And so even though the physician might have uh, saved you from your heart attack and did that, you know, triple bypass and replaced your mitral valve or your aortic valve. But if the bed, if the table in the OR was not cleaned appropriately, if the right. instruments were not cleaned and you had that septic shock, well, you're going to mm -hmm. die because something wasn't cleaned, not because yeah. of the heart attack you know right. and in my current role the cancer is not going what is not what killed you what's killed you right. is the fact that you had a bad MRSA infection a C diff infection exactly. something that is real that's what took you out not the cancer so understanding yeah. that the person who was cleaning the room the person mm -hmm. who are cleaning those instruments are just as valuable as the skilled hands of the surgeon, as a knowledge of that nurse that is administering the medications at the bedside. So it's important right. for us to really drive that home that the totality of the healthcare team right. is not just the nurse, the doctor, the physical therapist, it's everyone that is in that right. building. Yeah, exactly. So that's so, so true. Um, talking about the COVID-19 pandemic that is still going on, <laughs> what are what are the major changes or challenges that you've faced in your leadership with regards to that? I, I hate to say this, but really it's just staffing and it's um, staff morale and wellness. Mm -hmm. I say staffing because we've had a nursing has had a nursing shortage since Florence Nightingale. Let's just be honest. Right. And so we've had this nursing shortage prior to the pandemic and the pandemic um, has really just pushed us over the edge. Like we're at the abyss. And so for me, my priority is really making sure, as I shared with you earlier, being late even for our interview, is making sure that our team knows that we're there, that we care for them. We're truly in this together, not just by lip service, but by word and deed and presence. Mm -hmm. And to let them know that we will do all that we can to ensure that you are safe, um, mm -hmm. to also ensure that our patients are safe. And I view my team members as my customers just as much as my patient. I have yeah. to make sure that my team has what they need to do their job so I then can expect them to perform and excel and do what they right. need to do to make sure that patient has what he or she needs. And so right. for me is really um, making sure team members are okay. Uh, you know, there's what I call nurse burnout and then there's compassion fatigue. Mm -hmm. Burnout, Brianna, can easily be fixed. I know people were like, what do you mean? Take time off go on a vacation, have some time with your family and friends. Burnout mm -hmm. is no different than when you do a really, really hard workout and your muscles are sore. It requires yeah. rest, it, recalls, mm -hmm. it requires relaxation, and it requires rejuvenation. Mm -hmm. you have compassion fatigue, that is mm -hmm. when you mentally are absorbing the day-to-day -day traumas and you right. no longer care. You yeah. are no longer able to absorb emotionally uh, what mm -hmm. is happening. So when, as I shared with you at the onset of our interview, that mm -hmm. nurse did not have compassion fatigue. She went above and beyond. She mm -hmm. made sure that she truly cared, not just for my mother, right. but she cared and saw her as a mother and as a wife right. and as a mm -hmm. young wife. And to make sure that she's literally on her deathbed, she mm -hmm. cared about my father as well. And so when as nurses, if we don't have that compassion fatigue, 
Right. It's going to be a really big problem. And and you start to see that now. Um, there's many things, you know, YouTube videos, you know, nurses going live crying and, you know, mm -hmm. being frustrated and not wanting to come to work um, right. because it's hard and it's challenging. Even nursing leaders, you know, we, we, you know, I know of nursing leaders who literally quit during this pandemic because they literally just could not continue to bear yeah. the stress. So yeah. mental health, mental wellness of the team and doing our best to get as many uh, talented uh, nurses as we can is very important. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I love how you delineate between the two, the burnout and the, I mean, what you're describing really is the moral injury of continuing to do a job that you feel like the system that we're working in is so overloaded. It has nothing to do with your capability alone as a nurse and your skill set, but you're, you're working against this mountain of obstacles ahead of you. And it's only, it's perfectly understandable that, you know, you feel like you're, you're just not being able to do your job every day. And Absolutely. that over time, like eats away at you, not, not just your, you know, fixed by a good night's sleep. But I like how you delineate between the two of those. That's such an important um, distinction between the two. Yeah, and, and I, I like it is, it is definitely a moral injury. And I like, I, I'm going to borrow that. It definitely is a moral injury because you're like, I keep coming here every day. You know, yeah. you have the moral uh, issue, particularly with COVID. You mm -hmm. have patients who are vaccinated. Then you have those that aren't vaccinated. And those that aren't vaccinated tend to be the sicker ones. And you put yourself yeah. at risk because however you feel about the vaccination process, yeah. You know, you yeah. emotionally are kind of like, okay, but I'm taking care of you, but you didn't do this, what you should have done. But now I have to put my life, my, right. uh, my personal health and well-being at, at risk to care for yeah. you. Um, and then there's short staffing and people are leaving and they're right. frustrated. So it's hard. It's really hard to come every yeah. day and fight that uphill battle. Yeah. For years now, <laughs> you know, and it's just really not just getting through this one crisis period. It's Absolutely. existing in a crisis, you know, that's exactly. It's it's unbelievable in some sense, but it's also just, yeah, my heart goes out to all the bedside nurses that are out there right now because it's incredible what they're able to pull off. Absolutely. <laughs> um, let's talk about your role as the chair for the DC Board of Nursing. I think a lot of people hear Board of Nursing and they immediately are like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what did I do? <laughs> you know. None. But, really the regulatory oversight needed for over 25,000 nursing professionals, I think are in your area. Um, I'd love to talk about what you see as the impact of COVID-19 um, that, that the Board of Nursing has had to deal different issues they've had to deal with. Um, and just a little bit about your experience um, serving in that role. I'd love to hear more about that. Thank you. Um, a lot of nurses don't really, and that's something I think we should kind of fix in academia as well, uh, going through different curriculums is understanding, you know, we all know about the Nurse Practice Act and all those different things, but we mm -hmm. didn't really understand how to protect our license. How do you go about getting your license? What does that really truly mean? So I'm humbled, as you said, to serve as the chair of the DC Board of Nursing, which yes, regulates over 25 plus thousand uh, individuals licensed to practice in DC. Fun fact, there are only about 3,000 nurses that are actual district residents. Um, and the, the 20 other plus thousand are those that are in our sister jurisdictions, i.e. Maryland, Virginia, yeah. licensed to practice, but that are not actually district residents. And so a lot yeah. of times, wow, there's 25,000 nurses in D.C.? No, it's actually right. much because <laughs> D.C. is still not a state. Sure. Um, 
But but the opportunity to serve on the board has really highlighted uh, the importance of nurses um, like myself um, before I had that opportunity, nursing leaders, nursing students, uh, public health nurses, really understanding what nursing regulations are. And it's also very important segue for me to realize what also drives me is to really have impact. You know, I don't like doing mm -hmm. things to do. I want to be able to do something and say, okay, great. This was the outcome. You know, that's what we do in the nursing process, right? You evaluate, reevaluate, and you make an assessment again. And so the DC Board of Nursing um, serves, again, uh, one, they provide licensure uh, mm -hmm. for individuals once you've passed your NCLEX, et cetera, making sure you've uh, done, had appropriate background checks, et cetera. And so they also license people to practice. But in addition to that, we provide oversight for all of the schools of nursing here, Howard University, mm -hmm. my alma mater, Catholic, Georgetown, Trinity, you know, all the other four-year universities, as well as some of the other local nursing schools mm -hmm. um, that also have ADN programs like UDC, University of the District of Columbia. Mm -hmm. And also uh, people forget about our home health aides, our CNAs, the certified nursing assistants, mm -hmm. and also our TMEs, trained medication um, aides. And mm -hmm. so all of these things and uh, these professions and uh, skill sets fall underneath the Board of Nursing's uh, purview. Mm -hmm. Additionally, we also do disciplines, which is sometimes a not so fun part of, of the job where you yeah. hear um, stories of, um, of varying things that obviously I can't publicly <laughs> share, sure. um, but things that uh, people, nurses have done and CNAs that have done uh, that range from, uh, you know, violent acts that range from diversion of, of narcotics, mm -hmm. uh, that range from uh, falsifying time cards that you're mm -hmm. sending to Medicare, Medicaid, which then becomes fraud. Right. There's a variation of all of these things that the board also uh, provides oversight for, mm -hmm. particularly during the pandemic. Um, we've had to pivot. I believe that there's power in the pivot. So we mm -hmm. had to make adjustments for what uh, clinical uh nurses are needing to have, or I'm sorry, what clinical hours are needed for student nurses to have oh, in order right. to graduate. And so mm -hmm. we've had to have meetings with some of the local academic areas, the deans of schools, and uh, they had petitioned the board to reduce the number of in-person clinical sites to have more of those uh, clinical sites, right. probably back like when you and I were in school, everything was yeah. all person to now having some of them virtually and done via simulation labs. Because yeah. The pandemic, they were not allowed to come into the, the uh, hospital clinical settings because sure. of COVID. Now that's been a little more lax because of the vaccine and the booster mm -hmm. shot. We definitely are having more clinical sites, but at the onset, it was everything went to a halt. And right. so, because of that, if you re imagine if you were a senior back in 2020 and yeah. you know, the pandemic happened in March, so your whole last semester, you're in person uh, doing yeah. those hours. So, all of those things had to be pivoted to a virtual platform. Yeah. So, that was else so we had to change and our rules and regulations um, and the curriculum for those nursing schools that was one of the biggest challenges that we had to overcome right yeah I can imagine that I my heart went out to all those students just across the board I mean like elementary middle school high schoolers every they all had their own set of challenges and developmental stages that they're in that just everything came to a screeching halt and absolutely yeah I mean, uh, any, any, anywhere you land on that ladder, it's difficult. Um, I have very small children, so keeping them home, they were like, eh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's just another weekend day for us. But and any, one of the things I will share with you that we had to also um, conquer 
was because of the nursing shortage. And so because we do provide licensure, um, there was a huge influx. We're grateful that the city council um, had enacted with our mayor, of course, the state of emergency, which mm-hmm. meant if Brianna lives in California and she came to DC to work mm-hmm. and to get that um uh, travel job that we right. as the board members also had to change those regulations. So anyone who did not have a DC license specifically are able to practice in the district for a specific period of time underneath the emergency act, because at that point we relinquished the requirement of having a DC license. So as long as you've right. had an unencumbered license, yes. from another one of the 50 states or territories, you are allowed yeah. to work here in the district. Yeah, is that still ongoing now, or has that been dialed back? Wow, no, it's yeah. still it's still ongoing because of this, this uh, the particularly because of Omicron and also sure. just the staffing shortage. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us a little bit. I know you're on a surgical oncology floor, um, and the same same issues where things came to a screeching halt. All those what they you know we consider elective procedures. Someone with cancer probably doesn't feel like it's an elective choice, you know, they need to have these procedures done on a certain timeline. Um, Talk to us about caring for your staff who are caring for these patients at that time. Um, You know, that's something that's always been very paramount to me. Um, I have five uh, pillars of my personal leadership and what I expect um, of my team members. The first one is compassion, to understand that that person, as I shared with you earlier, could be a family member, could be a friend. And so that's something I can't teach. Um, Having integrity, doing the right thing because it's the right thing to do. Um, Having um, a good, strong work ethic, come to work to work um, Mm -hmm. and to make sure that you are in a good mindset, a place and space to be able to provide the best care. Because what we, as I said before, what you do or what you don't do can literally kill someone. And so we don't have that latitude in our profession to, to not be of that mindset. Also, mm-hmm. teamwork. You know, you are only as strong as they say as the weakest link. And so, from the EBS colleague to the surgeon to the charge nurse to myself, I tell my team, I'm the least important person on the team. My job is to make sure that you have what you need to do the job at that bedside. And so, mm-hmm. understanding how the importance of teamwork is. And then, lastly, I ask them just to really communicate with me. You know, I, I, I know for a fact, and I don't need validation that I am a good nurse. I know mm-hmm. my clinical skill set. I know my heart and passion. It is mm-hmm. nice to be validated and to be um, appreciated, absolutely. But mm-hmm. I am a mind reader. And so however I can assist you, I am begging you to tell me, what can I do? Is it a day off? Is it that you just need to come in an hour late? Or is there something going on at home where you need whatever it is? Or do mm-hmm. you need extra training for something different. Did you forget how to don and doff your PPE to make sure that you're safe from COVID and make sure that you're Mm -hmm. able to get home safely? Um, Do you need to figure out how can you go get that rapid uh, COVID test downstairs and can I maybe expedite that for you? So all of those things are something that I only know if my team member communicates. So uh, caring for my team while while they are caring for those patients. Those are the five tenets that I honestly kind of adhere to. And Mm -hmm. I I ask them every day, we have huddle, is does anybody need anything? I literally end with, does anybody need anything? And I mean Mm -hmm. that sincerely. Sometimes it's, oh, okay, I'll go get you a cup of coffee. Or sometimes (laughs) it's, okay, let me go help pass that med to help you. Even though I'm a director, I still am very much so hands-on. I still, Mm -hmm. as in the healthcare world, I still get my hands dirty. I yeah. don't mind 
to turn a patient, you know, if the bed alarm goes off, I run in there just like I expect my team members to go in there so we mm-hmm. can uh, provide uh, safe care. So for yeah. me, uh, Brianna, I just think it's important of a presence um, of making sure that my passion is shown through my presence and then mm-hmm. always letting them know that I'm here for you. Um, right. And also then holding them accountable to say, if something is going on, I need you to tell me because I'm right. not a minor. Yeah. For, for those that are watching or listening to this right now that are also in nursing leadership roles, like charge nurse or nurse managers, I think it, we've heard this topic come up, how to not be a micromanager, but also, like you said, your presence is so important to show that you're willing to jump in there when needed, but without feeling, giving the impression to your team that they're not capable of doing it at the same time um, through micromanaging um, that I think a lot of people tend to fall back into. Um, how do you combat that um, as I think a lot of nursing leaders are strong, they like to have control. It's hard to give up some of that control. Um, what advice would you have for them to be someone that works alongside your team rather than looking, you know, nitpicking what they're doing? Does that make sense? It does. Um, it's the same, you know, I am a person of faith unashamedly, so I have no problem sharing that. I'm always reminded of the scripture and the the, the Bible parable that talks about teaching them to fish uh, versus just feeding them with the fish. And so yeah. for me, it is so important to make sure that I surround my team with positive energy. I am the silly one that's there. Um, and whenever someone has a question, I always say, oh, did you ask the charge nurse? Or what did, you know, what did Raquel say? Who's the charge? Mm-hmm. Who's one of my charge nurses? You know, what did this person say? Um, I don't just, um, I know that as a leader, um, I've made that pivot as I've grown because early on in my leadership, which is what I think people need to understand and those that are watching, there's mm-hmm. a huge difference of leading and managing. Yes. And so there are some times where you do need to manage scenarios. You know, Joint Commission comes in or Department of Health is here. Yes, that's not a time to lead. You need to get on the floor, manage, make sure everything is in place and intact. Um, you know, to do this. During the pandemic, there's been times where I had to pivot and do a little bit of both. Uh, There's been times when I've had to manage, okay, this is what we need to do today. And this is what we're doing. And then there's been times when I've had to lead. And I think the difference between a leader and a manager is when you're casting the vision and when you are also just kind of supporting. Management is doing the day-to-day operations. And so um, those persons that are leaders or even those that are uh, in a formal sense, but the informal leaders, like the preceptors, you know, the resource nurses or charge mm-hmm. nurses on the unit, understand that people are watching what you're doing. Yeah, all time. And so uh, for me, Brianna, I I try my best uh, to not be that micromanager. Um, There's times literally I will I'm in my office and then there's some days where I literally pull up one of the computer, the wows, and I literally just sit at the nursing desk. There's a little level uh, area that I sit on and I just do my work at the nursing station for the whole shift. And Mm -hmm. so if somebody when my unit clerk gets up and goes, I just hop up and answer the phone for her. I'm not Mm -hmm. taking but I still have a charge nurse. I still let yeah. them do their job, but I just want them to know that I'm also not leading and you can't lead from the office behind the door either. Right. Very delicate right. balance, at least for the nursing profession, right? Yeah. So nurses, you need to be a nurse's nurse at heart. And then mm-hmm. there are times where you do have to cast a vision, make it plain, make sure that people understand the, again, the why for me is a big thing. Why are we doing what we're doing? Communicating, yeah. over-communicating and overstating that so everybody is clear. Um, the key is to get buy-in, not agreement, which is yeah. also another differentiation. 
Yeah, so I like that. Buy-in and not have agreement. Because um, there's times when I don't agree with everything, of course, that our CNO, our senior leadership puts before us, but mm-hmm. I have the buy because I understand the why. Now, me mm-hmm. personally, I have an issue with it, but I understand it's for the better good of the organization. And right. so I think that's what I would instill upon people is to make sure you um, empower, mm-hmm. um, you engage, you expect, and then you excel. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. why I, uh, my four E's for my team is mm-hmm. I, I educate them. So you know what's happening. I um, empower you to do those things. Um, mm-hmm. And then I expect, I have a sense of expectation. And then my last thing is for us to excel, to do those things in excellence. More into vlogs than pods. You can also watch these interviews. Check out Nurse Stack on YouTube for video features of these amazing nurses and more content by and for nurses. Just search Nurse Stack on YouTube to find us and get watching. I love it. I hope our nursing leaders that are listening to this are taking notes because this is good stuff right now. Um, we've touched on a little bit of the challenges that have come out um, that, you know, we're frankly already there with staffing that has the pandemic has just accelerated. Um, how do you prepare for challenges that you foresee coming down the road as a nursing leader? I think it's important, uh, one, and, and I mean this in all sincerity, the first thing is always have a mental health check on yourself. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to lead and to guide. Um, and this is people right now, whether you're a nurse or not, I really think it's important, particularly as because I'm a nurse, though, I know that the importance of mind, body, and spirit, we talk about health and wellness, we talk about all of these things. But if you also are not mentally in a good place to be able mm-hmm. to face the challenges of head, ahead of you, right. um, you have to be able to stretch. Um, I'm a runner. And so I think about the times of when I go running, you don't just go out and run. You can, mm-hmm. but you might cause or create injury. There's preparation that takes place. You have to take a few moments to stretch. You have to make sure you're hydrated. You have to make sure your pregame is on point so you can Mm -hmm. do what you need to do and succeed. So all of us that are nursing, particularly nursing leaders, I want to speak to the nursing leaders that are watching. I feel, quite frankly, um, people might be mad at me, but we have some of the more difficult jobs, even than the bedside nurses. Why? Because when they're there, they get to leave at at the end of their shift. And they don't necessarily have to answer the phone. But for mm-hmm. me, Brianna, is I have this phone mm-hmm. seven days a week. Um, yeah. And I have anxiety almost every day. Of, oh, my God, is my phone going to ring at 430 or 5 in the morning before yeah. I get up because we somebody else called out or we don't have staff. And I think mm-hmm. it's important for nurses to create places and spaces of um, congeniality, of uh, where we can let our hair down, uh, proverbially, where we mm-hmm. can really just release the stress and tension. And sometimes mm-hmm. you can't overcome something you're not willing to talk about. And yeah. maybe you can then find another one of your colleagues who has experienced the same thing that can give you points and tips. So if you yeah. keep those things internalized, and if you don't share those experiences, mm-hmm. um, I think you, you're going to set yourself up for failure. So I mm-hmm. think it's important to have a mental check. I think it's important for all of us at some point to, um, and I mean this sincerely, to find a mental health provider or a counselor or mm-hmm. tap into your EAP, you know, the emergency uh, uh, employee emergency, no, the emer- employee assistance program, excuse me, right. the EAP, and making sure that I'm sure all facilities have that. And at, if not that, at minimum, create a place and space or community where you can just really um 
decompress because yeah. even a pressure cooker will at some point explode if it's if mm -hmm. the pressure release at a certain point. And I believe right. that leaders are as I said at the onset are uh, we're at the abyss you know we're sitting here we're trying our best to to as you've asked me multiple times how do I do this for my team how do I keep them engaged but then what about me as a leader so what about you that are watching what are you doing to make sure you're okay so what I will share it's for myself, Brianna, is I make sure that I take time for myself. If I have to, like there was a day about two weeks ago that I knew that I was not in a very good uh, uh, place. There was a couple of things that happened on the unit, a couple of things that happened with some of my uh, the team members, some inappropriate behaviors. So once everything kind of settled, I said, okay, I need to leave. Um, mm -hmm. and I, I, everything was fine. And I came home and I went for like a five mile run because mm -hmm. I said, if I did not do that they were not going to get the best version of needy and mm -hmm. what they were going to get is someone that was not going to add value or mm -hmm. add activity to what was currently happening okay. in, in our team <laughs> dynamic. And so yeah. also having that a self-awareness, that self-check mm -hmm. and to not feel guilty about that. Um, mm -hmm. Whether it's getting a manicure, pedicure or massage or uh, having a, a drink with a colleague or your family, your friends or go painting mm -hmm. That, whatever it is, because I know there's also male leaders. So whatever it is that you do to compress and to relax, mm -hmm. do that. Um, so you yeah. can come back and be the best for yourself. Because as you alluded to, um, we have to do healthcare differently. You know, quite frankly, it's not healthcare; it's sick care. We yeah. have to ensure that this sick care system truly needs to be demantled, and yeah. we need to build it again from the bottom up and really understand what we're doing, why we're doing it, how can we mm -hmm. have a impact um, because what we're doing now as a country is just not working and right. so nurse leaders are at the, the forefront of that and yeah. until we decide to um, acknowledge that and do something about it we're going to be in the same place even right. after when the pandemic is over we're going to still be here with nurses being burnt out compassion fatigue a shortage etc right well my next question for you yeah i we like to always ask people, you know, what were the, what was in your view how society viewed nurses maybe a couple of years ago? Um, you know, we had the year of the nurse and the whole as as we already talked about the hero trope that's been overplayed, and now I think what you're describing is instead of being these heroes that swoop in and fix a system that was not working to begin with what if we transform nursing into these leaders that can lead us out of <laughs> this giant gaping wound um, that now everybody is aware of, not just the people that have known about it, that have worked within the system all along, but anybody that picks up a newspaper right now knows, or I guess there's not newspapers anymore, but reads their headlines <laughs> on their scrolling media feed. <laughs> um, but what are your thoughts on that? You know, so how society has viewed nursing, um, has that changed how you've been a leader um, and anything more you want to say about, I think you just said it beautifully about how nurses really, we really need a lot of nurse led action um, to, to lead us out of where we are now. Um, 
I think correct. Well, you you answered my question for me. We need nurse led action. Period. We need to not have a seat at the table. I believe we need to build our own table. Yeah, I love that. We need to build our own table at any hospital. Um, and I, my best friend is a physician. She's an ER physician. So shout out to Dr. Nicole Morion. Um, love her so much in Chicago. I love her to death. But nurses are the ones that are doing the work at the bedside every day. So we need to then partner. We need to truly have interdisciplinary mm -hmm. conversations, mm -hmm. um, as I alluded to earlier, um, from all facets of health. Care. And we are the ones that need to be at the table that are actually doing the work. No, um, uh, no, no disrespect. Um, and I say this, hopefully this won't kill, kill me professionally because I'm being recorded. <laughs> but what I will say is the people with, you know, the MBAs and healthcare administrations are great. We need you. We need that administrative push behind us. But you all need to make sure. And I'm speaking to you know the CEOs, the people in the C-suites mm -hmm. that have never been the clinician. You yeah. need to make sure you have those clinicians with you to yeah. provide you real feedback when you are making these policy decisions, when you are yeah. making these policies and procedures in your organizations that impact the people who have to therefore do the work. You right. have to ask them, does this work? And as nurses, quite frankly, use the nursing process, right? Mm -hmm. You make an assessment, you go and then you evaluate, then you reevaluate, and then you mm -hmm. test what you're going to do. And then if it works great, if not, then you change it and you do something mm -hmm. completely different and make another diagnosis. Yeah. And so when you talk about um, when you talk about that, that's why I'm so passionate, and that's why mm -hmm. in the last few years, I really want people to know that nurses are more than just the the handmaiden of our physician colleagues. Right. You know, we are more than just passing out medications. We're more than just you know making the bed and getting right. you to from the bathroom and and hanging IV medications. We do so much more. We are right. smart. We are brilliant. We are intelligent. We are the backbone of the healthcare yeah. system. <laughs> so until we decide that we are going to make a voice, that mm -hmm. we need to do so. And um, I unashamedly will also share this with you. I am working on something now that I've just created called the Black Nurse Collaborative. Mm -hmm. um, as an African-American nurse as well, we too are often underrepresented. Uh, mm -hmm. There's when you look at the numbers of uh, particularly CNOs uh, that are uh, throughout the country, there's a very small, minute number that are African-American um, mm -hmm. or minorities for that matter. Um, when I am being on the board of nursing, when I go to the NCSBN, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, our national meeting uh, mm -hmm. out of three people, I can literally count on one hand of the other individuals that look like me that are chairs yeah. of the board of nursing. And so not just from a minority perspective, but just nurses, we yeah. need to have a seat at the table. Um, yeah. And again, this is not healthcare, this is sick care. And so yeah. we know what's happening. We know um, how we need to make sure our patients have what they need to get the best care possible. We have to be more collaborative. We have mm -hmm. to gain um, more respect from our physician counterparts. Um, we have to make sure that, um, and not just hospitals, but health systems. So whether it's acute care, ambulatory settings, clinic settings, whatever, we have to make sure that we are at that table to say, hmm, that's not how it really works. Hmm, right. no, <laughs> it's the policy, but then how do you expect us to implement that? Right. So we don't have the media or Brianna at the table to say, great idea, how can mm -hmm. we then relate that into practice, it's not going to mm -hmm. happen. So again, mm -hmm. don't take a seat at the table. Let's create our own table. Yeah, I love it.
Love it, love it, love it. Um, let's talk a little bit about wellness in nurses. Like we were, have we been, like we've been discussing about how our healthcare system is sort of a reactionary sick care system instead of a preventative health model. How can we take that same um, theme and put it onto nurses and promote the wellness of nurses, um, whether it's to what we tell nurses coming into the profession that are maybe like, ah, am I joining a sinking ship? Or what would we tell our nurses that are currently working um, in order to boost their morale, help them keep going? Um, I think it's such an important topic and we talk a lot about that at nurse tech is just the, in general, the umbrella term of nurse wellness. Um, so excellent question. Um, honestly, uh, again, Brianna, this might be something where people might be mad at me, but you have to know yourself. You have mm -hmm. to take care of yourself. Um, just as I told you the other uh, two weeks or so ago when I knew that I need a moment and I, mm -hmm. I left after everything was settled. Um, nurses, you cannot care for others if you're not caring for yourself, mm -hmm. period. Like mm -hmm. there's no great thing, care for yourself. Work the extra shift, that's not a problem. Do those things, but when you're off, be off. Make mm -hmm. sure you decompress, make sure you relax, make sure you do those things so you're in a good mental space because our profession, again, unlike any other, requires us to, requires us to give 100% every day. There's emotional traumas, the, the physical aspect of our job alone, you know, doing 12 hour shifts, the mm -hmm. emotional bearing of what we do, depending upon, you know, are you in the ER? Are you oncology? Are you peace? Are you labor and delivery? What you deal and what you see with every day. So I think that's also very important and imperative for us to recognize. Um, and then that's when nursing leadership needs to be a leader and not a manager. You need to be intuitive to say, hey, Brianna looks really frazzled. Uh, she normally has on her, you know, her hair hasn't been really like, and I mean this sincerely, right? Her hair yeah. really been combed. She looks a little disheveled. Her mm -hmm. scrubs are wrinkled and that's never her. What is going on? And so that's the other part of leadership of being, um, keeping your finger on the pulse and making yeah. sure that you are aware of your team. So yes, there's day-to-day -day operations, but the leader also has to care about the people that, that are following them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We touched on this very briefly when you were talking about how it's so important to be in spaces where you can let your hair down and be around people that understand you without you having to give some disclaimer about how you really love being a nurse, but sometimes it's really hard. And I just want to get that out of the way so you know what I'm about to say next doesn't horrify you. <laughs> you know, um, it's like when people say, I really love my kids, but you know, um, what are your thoughts on how community can can solve that for nurses and be the space that that we need right now? I think community can help us by us sharing our stories. I think it's important for us to make sure that, as you said, that we share our stories. Um, organizations and group like yours that have interviewed people like myself and many others for people to really understand um, what we're going through and what being a nurse really is. Um, wow. you, you mentioned it a few moments ago about taking off that cap, the cape, and realizing and understanding that no, we're not superheroes. And you know, and as much as they, I know the intent of that, but then that people means or thinks that 
that we can just keep on going and going and going and we can't. And so I think it's so imperative for us to make sure that um, as a profession, we also let them know how we're really feeling. I'm grateful for the president of the ANA who put out the statement that said to Congress and the government, there is a huge nursing shortage. And if you all don't help us do something about it, if you don't help some of these students, you know, nursing uh, professionals help pay off these uh, crazy loans or whatever it is, there's already going to be a huge staffing shortage. And so generally speaking, I think the community can help us by just taking care of yourself, um, having more of an emphasis on wellness and not uh, the sick care, having an, an emphasis on, um, there's a little hashtag that I always use when I do social media. I said, be well and live. And mm-hmm. so it's not just about uh, being healthy because healthy is just an absence of a disease process. Mm-hmm. Wellness is completely different because you can yeah. still be well if you have a diagnosis with something. Wellness yeah. is the mind, the body, the spirit, the understanding who you are, what you're doing, caring your caring for yourself, exercising, mm-hmm. eating right, getting enough rest. That's what makes you well, even in the face of potentially having, you know, diabetes or something. You're going to do your best to make sure you care for that. So for me, um, sharing our stories, being open and honest and transparent about what being a nurse really is and the challenges that it brings, even though we are the most trusted profession, we are, it's one of the most difficult professions because there's a huge clinical uh uh, acumen that we have to have, but then there's also huge emotional um, uh, weight that we bring every single day that we step foot into, whether it's a hospital clinic or school nurse or whatever it is. It's 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 a lot, and people don't understand what what we go through. So we have yeah. to share our stories. Perfect. Well, that is a perfect place to wrap up. I love that you are now one of the voices in our community. Um, I know that there's so much that we've covered. I can just you're going to help so many nurses that are that are coming up and that have been in the profession and feeling stuck. So um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for giving your time to us this morning. Um, we will let you know when this is broadcast out and it's many varied forms. Um, and we'll certainly tag you when little bits pop up on social media here and there. Um, but thank you so, so, so much. It's been awesome talking to you today. Brianna, thank you so much. And I would love to connect offline as well. Uh, but just thank you for this opportunity to share. Thank you for the work that you and your uh, your organization does. And um, I'm honored and humbled to be a part of it. So thank you so much. Great. All right. Well, we hope to see you over on our social site. <laughs> yes. Talk Have soon. a great day. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. This has been a Nurse Tech production hosted by NP Jamie Smith and RN Brianna Kinney Orr. This episode was produced and edited by Juan Paolo Toison and Julia Taliesin. Join us on social.nursetech.com to connect with podcast hosts and guests and experience a truly nurse-centered online community. Thank you for listening.